I'm Sanya Malik. And I'm Tefra Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! We're talking about the second ever Montreal Yeah Fest, which uh, we had the great pleasure of attending last weekend on May 26th. It's hosted by the Jewish Public Library, coordinated by Talia Pardo. Hannah and I went to the first ever Montreal Yeah Fest last year and had a really wonderful time. We have a recap of that in the archives. I think it is our third ever episode. So if you want to go back and be like, hmm, what has Yeah Fest been in the history? In the history... You can uh, you can look back in the archives. Uh, Sanya was there, um, and I was there. Caddy was not able uh, to make it, and Hannah was not able to make it because she is still in Kingston doing cool things and learning about um, hospital chaplaincy, which is cool. This year, instead of just attending, I actually had the very great pe- pleasure of moderating several panels and also a Q&A. And we also had a table set up in the exhibition hall where uh, we were talking to people about the show and also uh, had signups for a merch giveaway, which if you signed up for that, um, we are sending an email out with more information about that, which I meant to do on Monday, and I sure did not, but I will probably this evening. So yeah, uh, this year was amazing for me. Moderating was like was totally new and I loved it. How did it feel? So Sanya was stuck at the table most of the time and got to do much less of the FS things. And I appreciate this deeply. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Um, so it was my first YFest and definitely not my last. I had so much fun. I went to two panels only, but it was so like rewarding, I find, to just get to time to sit down and listen to authors and talk about their craft. It was just such an amazing experience. But for you, like, to moderate, how was that? Um, it was terrifying, honestly. <laughs> like, we really, I think for sometimes when you moderate, they want to, like, pre-check your questions and really, like, have kind of a formula. This was really just like, okay, you're doing this panel with these authors. Like, boop, go to it. <laughs> so it was really a little nervous. I think I kind of, the first one... I was really just feeling it out. That was on world building. And I'm going to talk more about that panel later because uh, Cherie Demoline blew my mind at that panel. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt like, like, I don't think I really did an intro to the panel. I don't, I don't, I think I just kind of like got nervous and started asking questions. And I think at the end I was just kind of like, so we're done. (laughs) But then I, I like relaxed and got into the groove a little bit. And I think the third one... The four, well, the last one I did, like the Q&A was fun because there it was a small group. There were only about 12 people in it. So we actually pulled our chairs into a circle. That was with uh, Tim Wynne-Jones and J.F. Dubot. Um, J.F. Dubot has like been here in this studio with me before. So as you'll know, if you've heard that interview, Tim Wynne-Jones is actually, I knew that he was connected to my family because we're from the same, or he was, he lives in the small town where I grew up. What I found out upon him hearing my name is that he is—he and his wife were extremely close with my brother uh, when he was in high school, and I think you know for a little while afterwards, and and they did a recording on CBC together with my brother playing piano, and um, so my brother's name is Jonathan Ajemi, and he's a musician in Toronto. And that was just really cool because Tim Wynne Jones basically greeted me like long lost family (laughs) and like his wife did too. And we had these nice chats about stuff and he like remembered details about my family and my childhood, which was wild. That's so crazy. Um, So that was just that was like that was a high point for me for sure was Tim Wynne Jones (laughs) just being like, oh, my God, I remember when you were this big and I remember when you were in this show. And like that was very, very, very cool. I would have been so (laughs) starstruck. And then I would have been like, oh, my God, you know me and my family. I I was, like, amazed. Did you fangirl or were you, like, super cool? Um, Did you uh, fangirl with any of the authors? Maureen Goo. Mm-hmm. I I my I kind of I like I like followed her. <laughs> okay, same. 
I think she like kept looking over at us at one point, and she thought we had a plan against her. <laughs> yeah, so like she was on um, the panel on uh, the writer's craft that mm-hmm. I was on, and I had moved over. I felt like that was the panel that I felt like went really well. Um, but like halfway through, I felt like we were always going in the same direction because we had to pass the mic. Mm-hmm. And I felt like she was kind of getting stuck with like after everybody else had talked, putting in her few cents. So I was like, I'm going to like shift the mic over to the other end of the table and we're going to go that direction I for the rest that. of the panel to give her a chance to ever talk. Mm-hmm. Um and then at the end, I just kind of, I was like, well, can I get a selfie with you? Because my friend is really, <coughs> my friend is really obsessed with you. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> I do have a friend who's really oh, obsessed okay. with her. My friend Eunice, who actually has been on the show before. Awesome. Um, but like Eunice recommended that I read Maureen Gu's books. And I am a total convert. I read her <laughs> entire book, Somewhere Only We Know, on Monday. And entire like, thing. Yeah. And I work like I work 40 hours how did you do that I did my work day I don't even know the end of the day like I read it on lunch I read it before work I read it after work like with the baby on my lap oh my like God. With, while my other kids watching tv anyway and then kind of after the panel I I think I just kind of kept following her to keep the conversation going and finally she's just like well I'm gonna go to the snack room do you want to go to the snack room I was like (laughs) okay (laughs) and I uh, I walked with her like followed her to the snack room and then got there and was like oh why did I just follow her why did I just follow this very nice woman who just wants to get a (laughs) snack oh my god but she's magical she is so cool yeah I was so intimidated by her I don't know why but she's just so cool yeah I mean she's very like tall and very beautiful she's beautiful oh my gosh and I like geeked out when I met her I think but she was super tired I think so she didn't really like get my like my mess ups yeah (laughs) I was telling her to like write my name on the same card that I was giving to her to keep Right. So, like, I didn't have her book on me. Right. So I just gave her a Yeah podcast card because I wanted to just, you know, tell her about us. And then at the same time, I'm like, can you please sign it with my, like, for me? So she's signing it and she's writing my name on it. And then she's like, wait, do you want me? And then I didn't know what was happening. So I I just took it back. I, the one thing I'm really kicking myself about is that I have so many books by these authors and I didn't bring them to get signed. Oh, man. Like she would have said my book. I didn't bring my book. I did get a signature from Ben Philippe. That is great. So talking about, you asked me if I fangirled over anybody. I feel like you fangirled. Did you? But, I mean, yes. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's hard not to. He's so yeah. cool. He is so cool. And he was so nice mm-hmm. to me and to my baby. Um, and we chatted. And I guess he and Tom had chatted a little bit earlier, like in the in the room about stuff, because Tom was getting snapped. There was like a room for the authors and like moderators and stuff. Uh, and Tom, my partner and our editor, um, came along to also like help out and be there and mostly wrangle the baby. But he also moderated a Jeopardy, which went super well i like we really weren't sure how it was gonna go and it went so well the audience volunteer was like a teenager and she was fantastic anyway so he was there and they had had a little because tom was in the room and he overheard ben and sabina khan talking to each other and they've both been on our show so tom heard ben's voice and was like wait a second i've edited this (laughs) i know your voice i know who you are and then sabina said something and he was like oh i also know who you are so that was fun. But Ben Philippe gave me a hug and was just really nice. And we took a selfie. And then um, we were leaving. Tom and I were leaving because I really, really stayed longer than we should have. Because I was just standing there like, I want to be friends with you all. <laughs> and uh, finally, Tom was just like, I'm going to buy you a copy of Ben's book. Like, this is going to be my present for you. Aww. And Because I... Cause I um, I listened to it on audiobook because that was what I had time for at the time. But I listened to it and was like, I want a hard copy of this. Like, I want to read it in hard copy. And then he gives it to me and he's like, well, go get it signed. And I was like, right. So I had the baby in the carrier on me. And I like ran back down the hall to the room that the authors were in and like ran up to Ben holding this book out. And he takes it and he looks at it and then he looks at me and he's like, what, what do you, what do you want me to do with this? (laughs) Oh my God. 
Oh my god! And I was like, I want you to sign it. And then he just looks at me and he's like, "You ran with a baby." I love that he wrote that in your book, right? Yeah. So the inscription is just like Tepper. You ran with, with a, a baby, baby to get this. Wild. Oh my god. That was. I'm like. I'm like all giggly. That was a high point. I really <laughs> like him. I, that was fun. What was your favorite panel to moderate? I feel like the writer's craft. The writer's craft one just went really well, Mm -hmm. which I was surprised by because it was huge. It was six authors. And I think it was also the one I was least excited about. Like Mm. the other panels I had were world building and LGBTQ representation and then the Q&A. I don't know if it was just because it was the end of the day. I don't know if it was because at that point some of the authors and I had like been in a few panels together already and were getting a sense of each other and they had like been getting a sense of each other amongst mm, themselves. Yeah. That panel was so good. Who was on it? <sighs> Let me see if I can remember everybody. I know Tim Wynne Jones was. I know Maureen Gu was. Oh my God, I would have to look at my notes because now I'm like, Kim Terese, no, I think she was on a different <laughs> one. Like, <sighs> Was Ben on it? Ben was not. Ben was not on any of my panels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, Sarah Milanowski, Milanowski mm. was on it. She was like right next to me. Sorry, but I forgot you were there, Sarah. I should have, I should have like brought my notes with me. You already this, named a bunch of them because I feel bad. Well, I named half of them, but it was just like it was so good. It was like I found it really helpful because I'm I'm a writer. Like in my regular job, the job I have is writing, uh, and it's writing narrative content. It's writing creative content, and it is not under my name. I do not have rights to any of it, <laughs> but it is what I do all day every day. And I found it so helpful that panel. Like we talked about writer's block. We talked about writing rituals. Um, talked about editing, like the Ooh. process of editing, the process mm-hmm. of like like getting other eyes on your work. It was great. Yeah, it just it was such a good conversation. Also, shout out to the audience at Montreal Yafest. Yes, because like holy crap, the questions people asked for each panel. I would leave like fifteen minutes for some audience questions, which is great because it meant I had to do less preparation. <laughs> and. Um, the teenagers would ask these like mind-blowing questions. I feel like that was probably one of my favorite parts about Yafest. There were so many teenagers and preteens there and it just like made my day just to know that they're still reading. <laughs> I know yeah. it's like so stupid to say because of course they're still reading but it's just so nice to see that they're so interested you know and it's so genuine and so beautiful to see. Oh, I loved it. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had. So for the uh, Jeopardy that I mentioned, um, Talia really, really wanted to have an audience member. So we had two authors and uh, and an audience member for the Jeopardy panel. And Tom was really not sure about having an audience volunteer because that's like a wild card. right? You don't know how they're going to handle it. And we had this teenager named Vanessa. I would guess she was somewhere in 1415. Uh, Vanessa, I'm so sorry if I got that totally wrong. I'm a terrible judge of age. And she was so good. Like, she knocked it out of the park with the mythology category, especially. She would, like, knew so much. She was so knowledgeable. Yeah, it was so nice because so often we talk about YA lit with other adults. And it was really nice to have that connection again of, like, oh, yeah, teens love these books. Yeah. Like, I read somewhere that most of the people that do read YA are, like, adults. But it's so nice to see, like, such a cool representation of people. I found that it was so diverse, not only in terms of age, but also in terms of, like, ethnicity and race and background. Yeah. And I know that we always talk about diversity, but we rarely get to see it, you know? But even the panels that I went to, I was so pleasantly surprised because every single person in that room, I felt like was represented somehow yeah it was great i felt bad so i checked my notes and now i actually feel more bad because i have all of the names except for one who was on that (laughs) writer's craft panel and i feel very bad that i can't remember this person's name i shouldn't have asked the question it was sarah malofsky maureen goo monique polak Kristen sicarelli and tim win jones and another person and i just had a whole lot of panels you did. You had a really long day that day, too. But, oh, it was Ria Voros. Was okay, great. One. You got it. Yeah. It was a long day, but you know, by the time I got home, mm-hmm. like... When did you end up leaving? We left a little bit after five. Okay. Not not too, too late. Not much long after you did. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to go out for supper that night. 
And uh, we got home. And first I was like, I don't think the baby can handle going out to supper. Like, he's <laughs> exhausted. And then I just, like, sat on my bed and was like, oh, no, I'm the baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's me every morning. I'm baby. <laughs> <laughs> so what were the panels you went to? So I went to romance because I'm me. Mm. And then I also went to coming of age. So I was going to go to Pat to Publishing, but like, you know, <laughs> the me part of me <laughs> really wanted to go to the romance one. And I'm so glad that you encouraged me to do that because what I got to see there was so great. The thing that stuck out to me the most, I think, throughout Yafest was like, I felt like there's a space for people like me in this industry. Not in terms of writing, but, you know, like in the book process part of it all, like the publishing industry. And I felt really empowered, uh, especially during the romance panel, especially uh, with SK Ellie, who wrote uh, Love from A to Z. She's honestly sort of becoming a role model of mine. And I'm sure that's not her, um, you know, responsibility or anything, but it's happening. She's so cool. And you know, she used her platform to really speak out about Islamophobia, uh, the Muslim identity, Muslim culture, Muslim romance. And there were things that I haven't heard a lot, um, especially during like, everyday panels. You know, I often find that, uh, f- at least from my own experience, I feel the need to not always be the p- person talking about racism or Islamophobia. Like, I feel like, OK, I should tone it down because someone's out there and probably, you know, yawning at this point. But I really appreciated her sense of like, no, this is important. This is important to not only my writing, but to who I am. And I need to talk about that. And that was just so like uplifting for me to see. And it really like stuck a chord with me. Struck a chord, sorry. (laughs) I mean, to this day, I'm like still thinking and talking about that. So especially during the romance panel, that was definitely my favorite one. She spoke a lot about... Muslim romance and how often we see in Muslim, you know, movies or or books or, or movies or film or TV show like with Muslim characters and their love story or if there is no love story, they're like whatever it is, romance, I don't know. It's always like arranged marriage or forced marriage. And she said, you know, although that's true sometimes, she's like, I just wanted to write a book where two Muslim characters fell in love regularly and i really really have never seen that before that just made me even more excited to pick up her book and get it signed by her and i really appreciated the yafes because not only did you know it give a chance for readers to sit down and listen to their favorite authors like you even get to meet them Mm -hmm. and of course that's what a book signing is but there it was such a cool thing because like it was just this one big room where everyone was talking to everybody people were taking photos with each other and it was so friendly and it was such a great environment and i left the yafest feeling like like so proud of montreal for like especially and the jewish public library for you know holding such an amazing event because we need more events like this that promote reading and like companionship or not companionship but what's the word my mind is blanking community maybe yes that's the word community um and it was just so great so yeah i don't know i really loved it like i'm still thinking about it with such a broad smile on my face but yeah what about you what was your favorite part oh i mean so the part that stuck with me the most was actually during the very first panel that i moderated which was a panel on world building and as our regular listeners know, I'm I'm not like the fantasy person um, <laughs> on this show. That's definitely Hannah. Like I often put my foot in my mouth talking about fantasy. I'll say something and then Hannah's just like, well, you don't actually like understand <laughs> this category. And then I, I learn. Um, and so I felt a little out of my depth mm-hmm. uh, moderating this panel. I, I kind of I had I struggled writing the questions and then I felt during the panel that they weren't the best questions. Um but on this panel was uh, Cherie Demeline, who wrote The Marrow Thieves, which I have and, and have not read yet. And I'm going to find who else was on that panel, just so that I can shout out everybody, because I'm about to talk about Cherie Demeline a lot. <laughs> but uh, it was also Kristen Siccarelli, Nick Pretto, Laura Sebastian. I think that, I feel like maybe there, yeah, no, that was everybody on the first one. So Cherie Demeline wrote... Uh, the Marrow Thieves, which is, it's it's kind of a dystopia, but what she said about it is 
the thing about my world is that like it's this world like it's real life and um and just was like you know it's it's what uh what indigenous people live with she's Métis, and the one thing that just like stabbed me in the heart i mean just like 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 mic drop moment <laughs> she said you know i didn't used to write um now I can't remember the word she used. She had a wonderful term for it, and now I can't remember what it was. It's it's almost prophetic, but it's not prophetic. But just like, like, so anyway, she was like, I didn't write this. And then somebody asked me to write it. And so I, I tried it. Um, and she said, who better to write a dystopia than people who have already survived the apocalypse? Yes. Mic drop. Like, I just, and, and I mean, she said... A bunch of other things, and I'm I'm so sad that that panel wasn't recorded because, mm-hmm. like, holy, like she was on, and and it was so profound. But she was just like, you know, like you have aliens invade your nation and wipe out your way of living and wipe you out and like destroy your 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 homeland, destroy your environment. Like, indigenous people have survived the apocalypse. Um, and that just like, for me, that was the highlight. Mm-hmm. Like I, when the mic came back to me, I was like, I just want to give you <laughs> You're like, Keep the going. mic. Can, can we just turn this panel into like Cherie Demoline talks? Because like, holy crap, it was amazing. The other thing she said that really stuck with me was, uh, she talked about fantasy being a space where, um, colonized people can explore a world that has never been colonized. Yeah. So that was the thing she said about Wakanda and Black Panther, that the real appeal of that fantasy is that it is a world that has never been colonized. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I, like many, many people, have been thinking a lot about colonization and decolonizing worldviews and things like that this year. Actually, little, like, tie-in up for discussion has an episode right now. One of our sibling shows has an episode right now where they talk with uh, Prakash, I can't remember his last name now, who works on decolonizing education systems, which awesome. is very cool. So I just want to put in that little tie-in. But yeah, Cherie Demoline was like the highlight for me. And I didn't get to talk to her after, but mm-hmm. um, that just um, blew my mind. And now I'm I'm looking forward even more to reading Marrow Thieves. Yeah. You know, with that mindset, that fantasy can be used as a way to imagine a world that's never been colonized. It makes me want to pick up a fantasy book and read, even though I hate fantasy. But when you think about it like that, I mean, it just shows you, again, how powerful literature can be. I remember when that happened, you like came into the room and you told me that verbatim and you were so physically shook. Oh and so God, was yeah. I. I mean, I wish that I had been in the room when she said that. It was so much deeper. Mm-hmm. than I expected a panel on world building to be. And I mean, that again shines a light on my own assumptions about fantasy. Yeah, I really have had, and this is something that's been challenged again and again this year for me, I have this assumption that fantasy is is white. Mm. I have this assumption that fantasy is white. Yeah. And this whole year that we've been focusing on um, fantasy books by non-white authors and then having Cherie Demoline uh, on that panel saying that it's just it's it's really shaken that assumption of mm-hmm. mine yeah um, yeah i love that another thing oh sorry oh i was just gonna say one more thing like i've been reading the narnia books with my kid so relieved she got really tired of the last battle halfway through which i'm really happy about and she's like i don't want to read narnia anymore <laughs> and i'm so happy about that because last battle is like definitely the worst of the narnia books i've never read it well so the narnia narnia is like i watched the movies yeah i know that i read i was i think i picked up the first book but then i realized that it was completely different from the movies yeah. and i was like i don't think i'm ready to do that narnia is like interesting because so much of the storytelling is really compelling so many of the characters are really compelling but it is written by a straight white man straight white christian man in the 1940s or 50s maybe and it it really really oh no it's even earlier than that it's talking about world war one i think Mm -hmm. anyway it it really really like like there's a lot of racism oh for real (laughs) yeah i'm not well there's the calormenes which are the the nation like bordering Narnia and all was invading and they are just heavily heavily caricatured Middle Eastern people mm. that's like yeah it's like callback to like the Crusades and oh, like right. 
the white tunicked good guys bringing the news of Aslan to the brown people who live in darkness. Mm. So having that juxtaposition, it's been really nice to be like, okay, like fantasy for social justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Another thing that I really enjoyed about the Yafest was I felt like a lot of the people there, not only were they readers, but they were writers too. And I feel like Yafest really, really helped you know, shine a light on a path that these people can take. And I actually saw so many authors taking the time to talk to like readers about what they can do in terms of like getting their work published. Like I overheard an author, I don't remember who it was now, but um, I overheard her speaking to another writer and she like wrote down some information on a notepad or whatever and handed it over and like it was just so nice to see writers supporting writers yeah. and reading supporter supporting readers readers wait yeah readers supporting readers and you know again it just brought forth this like amazing sense of community that i feel like i've kind of been missing yeah. um especially like within the journalism field um now i can talk about it because i'm done with that program yeah. <laughs> but like i'm back into this world i keep saying that and it's like i just don't want to leave because it's just so like familiar even though I've been away from it for so long. You know, uh, when I was at our table talking about Yeah Podcast with, you know, people signing up, a lot of the people I spoke to were telling me about this book they're working on or how they have a dream of getting published. And I would ask them if they wanted to talk about what they're writing about and they would tell me their little blurb. And it was just so amazing to be in a room filled with so many creative people. Yeah. You know? And I feel like that's what reading does. It makes you more creative. Like, growing up, I wasn't that creative. I'm pretty sure half of the short stories I wrote were plagiarized (laughs) without me even realizing it, that I was writing an episode from, like, a show I'd already watched. But I can definitely say that reading does make you more creative. And I think that Yafest kind of shows you that. Yeah, I noticed a lot of the questions were um, about the process of writing, and the answers were so helpful. And like I said, the writer panel was like so helpful for me personally. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I also really appreciated, and I'm trying to remember which panel it was in that this came up, one of the authors made, it must have been the writing one, that seems apt, made a real point of talking about day jobs mm. and how most writers have day jobs. Certainly when they start out, everybody has a day job. Nobody's spending 40 hours a week just working on their first novel. And I found that was something Ben Philippe mentioned in his interview too. And that's just something I find so like humanizing and encouraging and helpful. Mm -hmm. It's something like for me now, because I I am a writer, um, I've been like doing this job where I'm writing and I'm writing material that's fun and that's interesting, but ultimately isn't mine. And then kind of feeling like, oh, this is like opening it up for me and I want to do my own writing again after like a few years of not writing really at all. But like, how do I have time? And there was something just so like reassuring about hearing like, yeah, like sure, like Jeff Dubois is a marketing guy, like Monique Polak is a teacher, uh, Ben Philippe is a teacher. There was, uh, I wish I could remember who it was, who was was actually made this point about having a job. But there was something just so encouraging about about hearing that, about like, because I think I put a lot of, when I was in university and I was studying literature and I really wanted to be a writer, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself as like, you have to make it as a full-time author immediately or you've failed. And that led me to like give up on writing for a while because I just got so overwhelmed and was just like, well, this is impossible because it is. And it was so encouraging to hear like, no, none of us are doing that. Chill out. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of humanizing, I definitely agree with you on that. I feel like, you know, the writers took the time to not only talk about their successes but even their downfalls at one point they were talking about you know rejected manuscripts and plot points that didn't make any sense or characters that they were too attached to but they realized they had to let go because they didn't make any sense um and it was just so surreal to hear them speaking about that in such an honest tone because it made me feel like there is no such thing as like not making mistakes when you're a writer because often we read these books and they're so polished and they're edited and they're so great and we wonder how could we ever write anything like this you know whenever I write it's just sometimes I don't even have like a period because it just goes on and on and on a stream of consciousness 
and you know hearing them talk about their own mistakes and their learning curves and everything it was just really great to hear because it not only encouraged me to keep trying to write but it kind of as you said it humanized them a little bit which was great because they are people first as everyone is and you know even though i was fangirling on the inside it was really cool to just get to hear about like their craft and how they create the world that we get so deeply like in love like obsessed with you know yeah yeah i think it really takes a special kind of person to write young adult lit Mm -hmm. i was just like i was in a conversation with some co-workers today uh one of whom used to work in publishing one of whom like they were talking about contact with like famous authors (laughs) and um and i was just thinking about it and i was like no it's so nice to work in YA lit because for these authors like for you to want to write for teens it's not going to be the pretentious stuck up people who think they're writing the great American novel who do that you know Mm. it's going to be the people who care about the readers yes and I really see that at Yafest I see authors who want to connect with their fans and that's so refreshing Mm -hmm. and and I think it's you know one of the reasons why I still have this passion for YA lit because it just feels so the community feels so human and so warm yeah I mean it's like you said before it just comes from a place of mutual encouragement nobody's Mm -hmm. trying to be like and then I wrote the best book exactly it's not a competition at all and that's what I really love to see and you know what you said about the warmth and you know YA it's so true because in college I studied literature and I convinced myself that, you know, classics were the best. I let myself get caught up in this, like, weird bubble where all I read was, like, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Hemingway, you know, a lot of American classics. And honestly, I think that kind of took away my love for reading, if I'm being really honest. And now I'm looking back. I have so many books on my bookshelves uh, that are just classics, and I've never picked them up again. Because I have this feeling where whenever I start reading a classic, I just get so bored on the first page. And now that I'm back into this world, as I always say, that should really be my motto at this point. (laughs) But now that I'm back into this world reading like YA Lit, it is warm. And it's so nice to read something that you know is personal almost. Even if it's like a random fantasy novel about wolves like the right you feel like the sense of connection to the author that is definitely lacking in classics not that YA is better than classics or anything like that but it makes you feel better I think yeah oh I had another like tied in with this conversation I was having with colleagues today I had this very awkward situation where somebody was like here's this short story which is like my favorite short story in the whole world by this author I'm just not going to use any names (laughs) just for safety here (laughs) And I started reading it, and I got to the first paragraph, and I was like, I hate this. Oh, that's the worst feeling. And, and I felt so bad, because I was like, he's so passionate about this. Like, like, And my other coworker, too, was like, oh, yeah, this author is great. And I was just sitting there, and I had a little moment of, like, um, uh, uh, m- imposter syndrome, um, where I was like, I should also like this story. I should also like this author. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those, like, like, I feel felt as though the writing came before the story Mm. and what I've gotten so used to with YA and what I love so much about YA is the story coming first yeah that's exactly it the story comes first the storytelling is definitely more important than the vocabulary used and I I think that's so refreshing and I love it so the one kind of um maybe more difficult point for me Mm -hmm. with Yafas this year before I talk about this, I want to say, like, so clear that there was so much very thoughtful diversity going into the planning. Like, this was a diverse group of authors, uh, and that was really, really, really well done and really exciting. The one kind of, like, there was, so the L- I was on the LGBTQ characters panel, and it was, like, specifically about characters, not about authors. So some of the authors were queer and some of them were not. Some of them, like Sabina Khan wrote Roxana Ali for her daughter, who's queer. Um, Kim Terizi is queer. But I felt kind of with that panel that maybe we didn't have quite enough people with queer experience to really make it a very like good panel kind of delving into that experience. I felt that maybe that could have been 
writing diverse experiences rather than writing LGBTQ characters, just because I kind of felt like, okay, I understand the importance of having this panel. And I understand that it's really like meaningful and important. And as a queer person, like absolutely, I love seeing queer representation. I'm so happy that that was there. But I also kind of felt like for a lot of the authors, they were just like, like, I want to talk about this character, but also, like, this is not my experience. <laughs> and and that was just a little... And that was something we had talked about going into the panel also. Like, that was something we had already chatted about it possibly being a little awkward. And I just felt like that was that was maybe the, like, the only kind of snag for me mm-hmm. was feeling a little bit like, this maybe isn't, like, the the best panel mm-hmm. on LGBTQ that we yeah. could could have. But I'm also aware that it's that it's the second year, you know, and you're not going to have everything. You're not going to hit every note every time. I was talking with Tim Wynn Jones' wife, Amanda, who's done quite a lot of events, like literary events and arts events. And she said she was so impressed with the quality of this event. And I have to agree. Like, it's just, it's so well planned. It's so well executed. For the second year of a relatively small event coming out of a relatively small organization, and it really is Talia Pardo's brainchild. Um, and she does so much good work. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Milanovsky, but like Talia is the one who's kind of boots on the ground planning. Yeah, like I definitely agree with you about the panel uh, in terms of like shortcomings. But again, I agree with you that it is the second year and I cannot wait to see what's going to happen next year. I exactly. feel like the panels are going to be even more diverse and more representative. And yeah i'm just super excited i left the the building feeling excited for next oh year my god yes which yeah. is crazy because it's not like that whenever i leave an event i'm like okay cool i can go home now yeah but when i left i didn't want to leave and i was just already planning about next year and who's gonna come and what I, books yeah. i should read and i really hope at some point this becomes a two-day event i want two yes. days of it so badly yes yeah and like i mean i was in the planning committees and i understand why it's still a one-day event but mm-hmm. like there have been some murmurings about it getting to a two-day event, and I really, Fingers really, crossed. really hope that happens. That would be wonderful. Um, actually, kind of, I just want to call back to that thing I said about the LGBTQ panel. I remembered a thing from last year, which was there was a panel called, I think, like, Writing Difficult Topics, but it was kind of like a thinly veiled reference to writing about race. Like, like a lot oh, of the man. authors, well, a lot of the authors were diverse. Like, Nick Stone was on that panel. Uh, Sabina Khan, not Sabina Khan, God, come on. Uh, Samira Ahmed was on that panel. Gloria Chow, I think, was on the panel. And then Brendan Kiley was on the panel, who is a straight white man. Um, and he writes, but, but what I liked about that panel, so he writes a lot about um, sexual assault and misogyny, and he writes about it from a guy's standpoint, like from the perspective of a young white guy learning how to not be... <laughs> misogynist and what I liked about that panel was it was a whole bunch of women of color and one white man and the women of color were basically kind of like vetting and approving and encouraging and and it it was really nice to have that like everybody's writing about the same things and we have kind of these checks and balances and we do have an ally but the bulk of the panel is the actual people yeah that felt really good Um, I will say one of the things in the LGBTQ panel that came up that I really, really enjoyed this point. It was by uh, Carrizo Lecejo Malope, who is the author of this book, Betrays My Brother, among other books. So she is a woman. I'm not sure if she's straight or not. She never disclosed that, so I don't know. But she wrote about uh, uh, gay men. And she said... Somebody asked the question of, like, what are your opinions about writing something that doesn't come out of your experience, basically. And what she said to that, which which I loved, was she said, what I would like to see is more white people writing about racism. Not, not writing about the black experience, but white people mm. engaging with racism. Yes. I would like to see more straight people writing about homophobia, not writing gay characters, but writing about straight people dealing with homophobia yeah and and just kind of gave a few more examples and I thought that was such a powerful point Mm -hmm. of like because I hear sometimes often like especially white people or straight people being like we're not allowed to like write about that because people will get mad at me so I just write 
cishet normative romances because like I can't I have to stay in my lane or that's all I know and it's kind of like well when did racism become not your lane Mm. (sighs) yes like like I mean you mentioned earlier feeling like you're the one who's always talking about racism and Islamophobia and what I expect is that that's because a lot of the white people around you are sleeping on that (laughs) yeah and white people are like, oh, I can't talk about that. Someone's going to get mad at me. And mm-hmm. like, I have done that. I have done like white people. We do this. <laughs> um, but that was just like that was so powerful for me yeah. to hear like, yeah, write about your experience. White person. What is your experience with racism? What is my experience with racism? Because you definitely have an experience. Oh, 100% many yeah. experiences. And, and a lot of them make me look bad. Like <laughs> and like you can write that book. And there's an important place for that book. Yeah. Which, like, brings me back to thinking about Brendan Kiley, which is, like, something he says a lot, that he feels his responsibility is to, like, make these topics relatable to cishet white guys. Yeah. You know, even if you've never raped somebody, rape is your problem. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes, sirree. So. You know what? Another thing that comes to mind now, something that I really like, I liked hearing was um, I can't remember who said it I think it might have been SKLE during one of the panels I think uh, a person in the audience who was also writing their own book asked you know when we're writing about things we're not familiar with like how do we do it in a way where we don't offend anybody which is a question we often hear and her response was because the main character in her novel uh, love from a to z is a chinese muslim or a chinese convert the uh, muslim convert sorry who's chinese and obviously she's not chinese so she wanted to make sure that she had like a cultural sensitivity reader and also one of the characters has ms so again she asked somebody who she knows who has ms to read it the manuscript and she got a lot of like criticism in the, in the first draft apparently like that you know it wasn't hitting deep enough and she wrote rewrote it and i really like that advice because i feel like we all have each other for a reason and the more we speak about these things it's like the better it is right so i definitely like that advice that we should always you know ask people that are identify as that or are going through that experience they should get a chance to read what you're writing if you know these people or you should look out for people like that and ask you know is what i'm writing true is what i'm writing is there something wrong with it of course you can't you know write something that pertains to the entire universe because everyone has different set of experiences but in general you can try to get it right you know I really like that advice. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that came up a little bit on mm-hmm. the LGBTQ panel. about um, Heather Smith was talking about it, and I liked her perspective. She is a, a uh, as far as I know, straight. But, like, again, I am straight presenting and not straight, so I'm not going to say she's straight confidently because <laughs> um, I don't want to contribute to biphobia. But she was saying she's she's written a book with a trans character in it, a trans teenager, and... Um, she was saying she has a her son has a trans friend who she talked with just a whole lot around it and one of the feedback like the feedback she's gotten from trans readers is wow this sounds like you actually talked to a trans person (laughs) and she was like well yeah like I, I did and that's her approach is always to make sure that she is Talking not just with, like, trans people, queer people, but, like, specifically teenagers, mm. which I think is just um, such a good and respectful approach. Yeah. But, yeah, it's important. Again, oh, God, Brendan Kiley's just on my mind. <laughs> he called it the uh, the muse of accountability, having your just your swarm of readers. I love that. <laughs> I think we have to wrap up. All righty. Is there anything else you really wanted to uh, talk about? I feel like we pretty much hit everything. Yeah. All in all, was amazing. And if only I could encourage everyone to go. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like everyone needs to go to Yafest. It's worth traveling for, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, the tickets are very cheap. Montreal is beautiful in May. Um, and this event is so good. Yes. Uh, it's really, really well done. I'm very excited for next year already. It was such a joy to be involved this year. Like, 
the moderating was was scary for me, but I loved it. We have some exciting interviews lined up out of it. Yeah. Which I, we can't give any names yet. Until we have things scheduled, we can't give any names. But yes. I'm just going to say, you guys, we're going to have some fun interviews. Yeah. I mean, you can follow Montreal Yafest. It's MTL Yafest, kind of on all platforms. If you want to see the lists of the writers, uh, if you want to find their books, mtlyafest.com. Uh, so mtlya fest.com you can find all the information about it are there any books that you heard about that you're like very excited to read now yes so definitely Eskeli's uh book that i bought just to make her sign it uh but also marine goose um somewhere only we know because you seem to love it and i really need to read it I think I can lend you my copy, like, today. I would be honored. I have to make sure Caddy doesn't need it. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, no, Caddy gets it first because yes. she and I are reviewing it. Next week, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the plan. Uh, but you can have it after for sure. Yes. Yeah, I, so, I mean, Maureen Gu, I have read two of her books now. I have another one in the mail. Um, I got The Marrow Thieves, which I have now, and I'm, I'm so excited to read. That's by Sheree mm. Demeline. I'm also very excited to read this book, Betrays My Brother, in part because, like, what a good title. Although I think this, okay, I have to do a little correction from what I said earlier, because with Casijo de Cerro Malope, I said she wrote this book's rep- this book betrays this book replays my brother <laughs> this book betrays my brother and I said she wrote a book that's a love story between two gay men those are not the same book yeah uh, they're they're different books and I can't remember the title of the other one currently mm-hmm. it's something about a long and lonely road it may be that but um but I'm not sure but I'm excited to read some of her work yeah she was also really great oh yeah yeah I loved what she had to say especially during I think it was the coming of age panel she spoke a lot about being you know South African and also having this like dual identity growing up uh you know because it was after like the segregation or after uh, apartheid I should be more clear um so she was talking a lot about that and again like it was just so cool because I went into it thinking you know a bit cynical like oh what am I gonna really hear during these panels but I learned and heard a lot of great stories and anecdotes and it just goes to show that your background really can play a huge part in what you choose to write absolutely yeah yeah one piece of advice or or uh, something that has come up in both yafests now is the concept of writing what you know but like nobody likes that everybody's like write what you know like if you're stuck if you like if you if you're experiencing big writer's block write what you know but otherwise just like do a lot of research and talk to a lot of people and like how boring would it be if everybody just wrote what they knew and i kind of love that mm-hmm. definitely so yeah i mean montreal yeah fest second year stronger than ever so excited to explore like the connections we've made not just with authors but with readers we have like a bunch of new followers on instagram shout out to yes. you all Super excited to get in touch with the people who put down their emails. It was great. Also, they had a button machine, and some of the kids took our business cards and made little buttons, and they look incredible. Oh, my God. I just realized why kids kept kept coming up to me and asking if they could take the card. (laughs) They were little kids, and I was like, of course, yeah, sure. (laughs) And they kept coming up, and they're like, is this free? I said, yes. Oh, my God. They made buttons. They made buttons, didn't they? they? (laughs) But that's great. It's free publicity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's really fun. And I I think actually, like, Tom was so inspired. I think the network is getting a button maker. (laughs) So that's very exciting. It was just so good. It was so fun. And honestly, even if you're not a reader, I feel like if you go to one of these events, you're going to become a reader. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to discover just so many authors, like so many great authors. I love Yafest because it doesn't just connect me with authors I already know and love. Mm -hmm. It connects me with authors I I don't know. It was so fun to do the promotional interviews coming up because I established, got to establish relationships with people like Sabina Khan and uh, Ben Philippe and Jeff Dubois. And like, I feel like I forgot somebody and I'm sorry. And come in and just be like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> like, it's good to see you and have read their books already. It's like, it's Yeah, great, it was yeah. surreal meeting Sabina Khan after like doing the podcast episode with yeah. uh, 
her book she was so sweet she as was well. so lovely she gave us both like big hugs yeah. right away and was She's just so like nice. so nice to see you she has such like warm mom energy she is like so cool too i keep saying this about all of them but they really are really cool yeah it was really cool for me to see you like like i was a mess though you really had to like <laughs> it was it was so nice though to, to like because it was your first year yeah i and was it so was, nervous it was so nice to see you just being like oh my god this author oh my god this author like oh, i can't believe they're all here in this room and i can talk to them and it was like it really like brought those feelings up for me again from last year Teffer was so encouraging i was having the hardest time going up to the authors and you know oh my god i don't know why i just got so shy but yeah Oh, it was so much fun. I want to go back. Next year, we're going to yes. go back. I am disappointed that I can't go to BookCon, which is happening in New York on Sunday or Saturday, maybe. So I definitely can't go. Um, but I, I think next year, I would like to hit both Montreal AFest and BookCon. Fingers crossed. My, my instinct was to say, if God wills it. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like me. <laughs> maybe that's why I was like inspired by your, your vibes. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I, gr- I really grew up saying, like, Lord willing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at Sanya Malik X and at Teffer Bear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shoutout to our patrons Catherine Resch, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Kat McGuire, and Erica Stutchberry. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. I looked over our reviews on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts in the last week and realized we have much, many fewer than I thought we did. So please leave us a review. Please. Please. It really does a lot for our visibility to get more reviews, uh, especially five-star reviews. Please leave five-star reviews. Please don't do one-stars. That's just sad. Yeah, if you want to leave a one-star review, just stop listening to this <laughs> podcast. Like, don't bother. Just be mean. <laughs> uh, and share this episode with a friend who you think should go to Montreal Yeah Fest. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song, Jenny's Groove, as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tepper Ajemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. We need to record a new ad for Up for Discussion. What should we tell people? Tell them we're an emotionally honest comedy podcast. Great! What does that mean? It means we're not afraid to get vulnerable, explore the human side of comedy, and try to become better people along the way. And we make poop jokes. So many poop jokes! With tons of awesome guests like Hank Green, Carrie Poppy, and Cecil Baldwin. Yeah, and poop jokes! The Up for Discussion podcast, available on the Upford Network and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Secret Santa, and then buying yourself a gift makes you a sociopath. Or if everything is everything, then how much of everything is there? Or what exactly a moguana is? Well, <laughs> that one's just a way of saying more iguana. Or maybe you wonder what the death of a friendship over the course of 50 episodes sounds like. Whatever your questions, you can find the answers and also more questions on Lasers on the Ride podcast, now a member of the Upford Network, available wherever you usually get your podcasts. Thank you.